I used to wonder how they build these really tall buildings. And I found out uh, when a, quite a well-known building in Southampton, we affectionately call it the fag butt, was being built. I had to drive past it quite often. And uh, as I drove past it over a number of weeks, I noticed that a bit of kind of area of concrete was coming up in the middle of the building. Just that's all there was, uh, a concrete kind of uh, box, big box being kind of added to. And then when that was done, the rest of the, the building was built around it. It had this solid core. Everything was built around it. And we're thinking about Portswood Church's core values. And in many ways, they're like that. Everything we are is kind of built around the core values. Also, they're part of everything we do, or we want them to be, a bit like a stick of rock. Wherever you take a bite out of a stick of rock, you, you're getting the core values because that's where you're, you're biting. Today, our theme, our core value is the centrality of Christ. Jesus being central to everything. And we've already heard of that day when Peter and his two friends saw Jesus in glory. Moses and Elijah were there too, but, but actually compared to Jesus, that's nothing. He shines out in this awesome, overpowering glory. And then it's just him and the disciples. And this is one of those dramas where across the screen would come the somewhat irritating, I find, words a week earlier. There's a backstory. We're meant to link it to something that had happened previously. That's why in the beginning of Matthew chapter 17, it actually begins with six days later. They went up onto a mountain to pray and so on. Now, all the disciples had been together with Jesus and he'd asked them who people said he was. They answered and then he said to them, well, OK, what about you? And Peter spoke out. Well, he always did, didn't he? He spoke out and said, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. That was a good day for Peter. Jesus tells him that he's being blessed. God is involved in that answer. It's been given to him by my father in heaven, says Jesus. Blessed is when God is involved. He also says that Peter's name, Rock, Jesus gave him that nickname, was saying that on Peter and people like Peter, Jesus would build his church. It would last forever, he says, and nothing could stop it. And Jesus tells Peter and the rest of the disciples that they're right. He is the Messiah. And then he starts to sell them something else. He, as the Messiah, is going to suffer. He will eventually be killed by the religious authorities and then rise again from the dead. And that's too much for Peter. Peter says, no, God forbid it, Lord. This must never happen. And Jesus actually gets quite kind of violent, well, not violent, physical with Peter. He pushes him out of the way or turns around and says, get behind me, Satan. Not so blessed now, is he, Peter? Is Jesus going to build the church on people like him? Well, in the next few days, Jesus carried, out, telling, carried on telling the disciples the same thing again. But he added to it more than that. He said to them, those of you who follow me are likely to suffer as well. He said, you're going to have to take up your cross and come my way. And then he promised that some of the disciples would see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom, as he put it. And that was six days ago. Peter now is on a mountain and sees Jesus as this glorious king, light coming from his face, 
his clothes so white you couldn't really make them out. So what do you do when you see Jesus in his glory? What's Peter going to do? Well, obviously, he's going to try and help out, isn't he? He offers to do some building. <laughs> uh, tents this time, not a structure. And well, the story tells us what happens next. This cloud overshadows them, a kind of scary, uh, shining cloud. Uh, and, uh, and that always happened in the Old Testament when God was in the place, as it were. And then there's this voice saying, this is my beloved son. I am delighted with him. Listen to him. The father from heaven, the father who'd revealed that to Peter before, now speaks and Peter is terrified. He had blown it then. And he's absolutely kind of terrified until he feels a hand on his shoulder. And he hears Jesus saying, don't be afraid. He opens his eyes and it's just Jesus there. So if Peter is the rock Jesus will build his church on, he's a bit wobbly, isn't he? Of all the disciples, He's the shakiest in many ways. So how on earth did the church get built? How do we get from there to here? Well, let's see what Peter himself had to say about it, as we hear from 1 Peter 2, verses 3 to 10. You have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So we've just heard from uh, a letter written by Peter, part of the New Testament of the Bible. He's written a letter as a church leader to groups of Christians. And this is more than 25 years later than the event we read about. He's talking about their experience of knowing Jesus in their lives. He said, look, you've tasted that the Lord is good. And he says, look, you're growing in your life with Jesus. Though you may have been going through some tough times. He mentions those in his letter. He says, Look, you come to him. He says Jesus is like a stone and that they're like stones. We're like stones built around him. Now, what does that mean? 
Well, imagine you're in the ancient world and you're walking down the street and maybe like me driving past the fag butt under construction, you wander past a building site. That's the picture Peter has. And on the building site, you see um, they're building a temple and there are stones around waiting to go into the building. These are stones cut and ready to be put in. Not, don't think of the beach or, you know, of wandering around Yorkshire and enjoying dry stone walls, but think of that ancient building site. And, and in that picture, Peter is saying, people who have come to Jesus are being built together around him into a kind of temple, a spiritual house, it says. And then he swaps the picture and says, actually, you people, you're not only the temple, you're also like the priests in it offering sacrifices. A sacrifice uh, is a way to worship in that picture. And he shows them that this is all part of what God is doing. It's like Jesus said to the religious people in the temple when he told that parable of the vineyard and the tenants. Do you remember that one when they tried to, they, in the end, they get rid of the owner's son. And, and afterwards, Jesus tells the parable and explains it. And he quotes from the Psalms and Isaiah, where it talks about the builders rejecting a stone, but God making that stone the head of the corner, the most important stone of all. Everything else is about that stone. It's, if you like, the core like our illustration earlier. And it might have mean that it meant the stone that goes down first on the ground, that everything up is lined against. It could also mean the stone that goes on the top. But either way, it's the keystone in the whole building. Everything gets uh, built around that. And Peter says, it's Jesus. He's the crucial part. He's the core. And you're like other stones connected to him. Building work, rocks, stones. <laughs> Does it remind you of anything that we were thinking about earlier? So how is this church going to get built then? Well, it's by people coming to Jesus. Is Peter the rock? Is Peter the main stone? No, no. He says we're all like stones. All of us are like him in that sense. Sure, he was the leader of the early church in, in, in different ways, but he's not a kind of special. It's Jesus is a special one. And he says we're all being built together, joined to Jesus, built into him, just like God says on the mountain. Jesus is God's precious cornerstone. He's been chosen by him. God delights in him. And we trust in that Jesus. And we believe and we get built in. We come to him. Jesus told people in the Gospels, didn't he, that, that we could come to him and have life. A couple of weeks ago, Tim was reminding us of, of the encounter in John chapter four with that woman that Jesus said that if you're thirsty, you, you could come and have eternal life, this water that will well up into a spring of eternal life. He told people if that we were weary and needed rest, we would come to him, to learn of him, to follow him. Come and follow. Hear his words. That's what he said. That's what still happens. And that's us. We're built into Jesus, a temple full of God. People who worship with spiritual sacrifices. So Jesus is the center of everything we are together. He is central. He's the core. 
we're built around him. And whatever we do, however we do it, wherever we go as a church, it must be around Jesus as the centre of it all. And what does it mean? Well, let's go back to that transfiguration, to the transfiguration account. What does the father from heaven tell rock brain Peter to do? Well, he says, you need to get who Jesus really is. My son, the one in whom I delight, and then listen to him. Let him be the centre, Peter, not you. Let Jesus be the centre, not me. Let it be about Jesus, not Portswood Church or any other church for that matter. Let Jesus be central. Now, what could that mean? Well, I think it could mean three things at least. First of all, it means that Jesus is the centre, so his work is central. What do I mean by that? Well, Peter had learned from his experience, hadn't he? You know, he tried to stop Jesus from suffering. He didn't want the cross. That's why Jesus told him he was speaking from Satan and, and they had that kind of difficult encounter. Well, how different it is now, 25 years later. In, in, in Peter's letter, he talks about the cross a lot, almost every chapter. And in this part, as you look at the text there, look at what he's saying. He's saying that this stone was rejected, but God raised him. Come to him, says Peter. Jesus rejected by people, but precious to God. Jesus is the Messiah who died and who was raised from death to kingship. And this is at the center, the cross, the resurrection. Jesus as Lord ascended and King. And that core truth of Jesus being the one who died, who was raised and is the ascended glorious King is part of everything we do, or it should be. It is our defining story. We are part of it all because we're connected to it because we're connected to Jesus. It's our story too. That's why Peter says we're built to him. Uh, Paul used uh, uh, an expression, we're in Christ. It carries the same idea. So we declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. So we live it, we share it. We must never forget the cross. That's why we have communion often because it takes us back to the core, the core story, Jesus dying on the cross, giving himself, conquering sin, raised from the dead, our glorious Lord. And we must never, ever get away from that. We mustn't try and share the good news without telling people why it's good news. We can't share the good news without telling people that Jesus died and was raised again. Because we need to hear that, because we need that forgiveness. We are darkness and we need to be uh, brought into the light. And that's only possible because Jesus has died for us and rescues us. He's the living Lord who transforms our lives because of his work. So Jesus is central and his work on the cross, the resurrection as risen king is at the center. There's an old song, um, we used to sing it, not I heard it anyway, I think I sang it. And when he was a teenager or even a boy, and it, it's come back to me occasionally, the first line is this, Jesus, 
keep me near the cross. A few of you out there are humming it. But it's a great prayer, isn't it? And it's my prayer for us as Portsmouth Church that we never get away, that we're always kept near the cross. But if Jesus is the centre, not only is his work central to everything, his word is central too. Now, in Luke chapter six, Jesus tells a story. It's about a man building his house on the rock. It's Luke's um, account of, he calls it the Sermon on the Plain. And it was probably another occasion when Jesus preached a, a great sermon to many thousands of people. Um, and it was on the plain and it contains the same kind of material as a Sermon on the Mount, including that story of the man who builds his house on the rock. And he builds it on the rock so it doesn't get washed away when the rains comes. And Jesus uses a phrase in that story to describe that person. He says, the person like that is someone who comes to me, there's that phrase, hears my words and acts on them. He's like the man who built the house on the rock. What it's saying is this, Jesus' words are important. In the parables, for example, the parable of the sower, which is one of the defining stories. At the heart of it is the truth that the word is seed. The seed, says Jesus, is the word. And if you go to John's gospel, there's a whole lot of stuff about Jesus says repeatedly that his words matter. He says, if you hear my words and believe on him who sent me, you uh, have eternal life. You won't come under condemnation. You have passed from death to life. If you believe in me, hear my words. In John 15, he talks about we can abide in Jesus and his word abides in us. In John 17, he says to, to the father as he's praying, I've given them your word. Jesus' word is central. So that means that what Jesus says is important. His word shapes our lives. We've heard his words and believe them, and we do them. So they shape our behavior, our attitudes, even our lifestyles. So God's word is important. And Jesus is never going to be central in our lives, and he's never going to be central in our church if we ignore his word. We need to read it understand it, learn from it, live it. We can't just kind of chuck out bits we disagree with. And as we live Jesus' way, then we're doing his word, aren't we? It's a life with him doing his word. His word, that's another core value, but that will be another week. So if Jesus is the center, his word is central. And thirdly, lastly, for now, if Jesus is the centre, so his presence is central. See, Jesus promised his disciples that he would be with us always. And it wasn't just the 11 on the mountain when he uh, said it to them at the end of Matthew 28, because he said, you go and I'll be with you always until the end of the age. So all disciples until the end of the age have that promise from Jesus that he is with us as we go, as we go and make disciples, or as the other gospel says, as we go and declare the good news to the whole of creation. He is with us. His presence is crucial. Jesus promised, didn't he, to the disciples in the upper room. He said, 
I will come to you and make my home in you. My father will come to you. And he's talking about what? The presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit brings Jesus into our experience. And not just to be a reassuring, a reassuring presence, although he certainly is that, but to be an enabling person, an enabling power, empowering us to live Jesus' way. And the book of Acts, that's the, uh, the fifth book in the New Testament after the Gospels. It's all about the early church and what happened after the resurrection. And it's all about what Jesus does next. That's the kind of part two because it's still Jesus working. He's risen from the dead and the Holy Spirit brings his presence, his power and the church learn what it is to live lives that are full of him. They share his good news. They do the things he did. And they pray because prayer asks him to come into our lives, into our situation. His presence comes as we ask him doesn't push his way in. So if Jesus is central, then we will expect him to be with us. Together, individually, we will ask him to, to be with us. We will ask him to make himself known to us and to others through him and through us, rather. We will look for what he is saying. We will be seeking his purposes look for what he may be doing in a situation even in regular living what's Jesus doing some of us uh, might say each day in a prayer Lord what are you going to do today what are we going to do today what are you going to be help me to have eyes to see what you're doing because your presence with me is central we need to be a church for today and a church for tomorrow where Jesus is unmistakably part of our life together and in our individual lives too. Because it's interesting, if you look back to 1 Peter, to the passage we said, as you read it, we read rather, as you look at it through, you see that it's actually dynamic, it is moving. It says we are being built. We keep coming to him. We keep worshipping. We keep sacrificing uh, acts of worship uh, and in, in the New Testament sacrifices are to do with obeying Jesus doing good to others giving our lives to him and we continue we keep being that people who who want to declare the praises of the one who brought us out of darkness into his wonderful light it says so says Peter you come to Jesus you keep coming to him he is the core, the cornerstone of everything. So we want to keep the main thing, the main thing, don't we? Jesus is central. So his work is central. His cross, his resurrection, his kingship. It is our defining reality. It's his story. It's our story. And then his word is central and we want to keep it that way. We want to keep knowing, believing, trusting his word, the Bible. And thirdly, his presence is central. So we ask, we expect, we pray, we look, we want to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's for every part of our lives and every part of our church.
And as this may almost be the last time I talk to you like this in my role, it's our prayer, me and Mary, that that may continue to be Portswood's experience in all kinds of ways that only Jesus knows about, but you're going to have a great time learning with him as you follow together. Amen.